I am Sandy Max. John Mercure on spring break. Greg Matzik on spring break. So guest host actor Andrew Varela in the studio with me and Bob Brainerd in for Greg Matzik with sports. And we are thrilled to welcome... Dr. John Raymond to the show, the Medical College of Wisconsin's president and CEO with our Milwaukee Health Briefing. And we've got questions for you, Dr. Raymond. Good afternoon, Sandy. I'm ready. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, We will start with um, something called Candida auris. Yeah, uh, Candida auris is a new species of a common fungus that was first discovered in 2009 and then identified in the U.S. in 2016. And our Centers for Disease Control and Prevention posted an advisory in December of 2022 about Candida auris. And the reason they posted the advisory was simply to alert healthcare providers that it was more likely to be resistant to the three classes of antifungal antibiotics that we typically use to treat um, infections like Candida. Older species of Candida are well known for causing urinary tract infections and resistant bloodstream infections. So it is important to know that there's only been one case reported in Wisconsin as of December 31st, 2022. Um, So no need for anybody to panic about it. Um, But the incidence is rising in some of the more populated states like Illinois, New York, Texas, Florida, and interestingly, Nevada, all of which have hundreds of cases. Again, no cause for concern because most hospital laboratories have the capability not only to identify this fungus on culture, but to do what we call sensitivity testing to choose the best antibiotic to treat it with. I'm so glad we have you to turn to, though, because, you know, this is that kind of thing. If it's prevalent in other parts of the country and somebody just hears like, wait, should I be concerned about this? Thank yes, you for the, the answer is yes. Well, no, but thank you for the comfort to know that like, it's good to be aware of it, but happily it's not a real problem here in Wisconsin. Uh, speaking of antibiotic-resistant things, there seems to be a rising instances of antibiotic, um, you know I'm going to mispronounce it, Shigella? You got that right. Aha! Shigella. Shigella, and so it's of concern to children? Yeah, so this is another uh, Centers for Disease Control advisory that was posted last month about an increasing incidence of antibiotic-resistant Shigella. Shigella is a bacteria that causes gastrointestinal symptoms, and uh, typically that would be fever, um, nausea, some vomiting, and bloody diarrhea. Um, not as common as viruses that circulate that influence the GI tract, but um, still causes about 450,000 uh, infections per year, and many of those are in kids because it's spread through the fecal-oral route. Uh, in other words, people get poop in their mouth, and kids uh, maybe changing diapers, they don't wash their hands, uh, maybe somebody didn't wash their hands in food prep when they were around kids, or even from drinking water in a swimming pool can cause that. Again, I wouldn't say for uh, the typical parent that this is a significant cause for concern. It's simply to alert healthcare providers that when a child presents with GI symptoms, to not not just assume that it's a virus, but to consider Shigella and possibly antibiotic-resistant Shigella as a potential cause. And again, because of the incidents uh, associated with swimming pools, you know, we're going to be having this summer come up here soon. So it's something to be aware of. And even kids going on spring break, hanging out at the hotels. Yeah. Yeah. 
So from children to older adults, I love that you may have found something very positive about Alzheimer's disease, something about a skin patch that could diagnose Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, a really interesting study. Uh, there was a group that developed a skin patch that had micro needles attached to it, and the needles are um, connected to micro sensors that can detect inflammatory uh, cytokines that are specific for the brain. And so the idea is that you could apply a skin ta- a test that would um, be painless, uh, easy to, to uh, use at home, and might serve to detect Alzheimer's disease and other neurodegenerative diseases early in their course. But there's a lot of work to do from going from this very promising proof of concept to actually having a test that's validated for any of those specific diseases. And one of the problems is we don't have a single specific biomarker for Alzheimer's disease that you could detect in the skin now. But maybe in the future, this could be something that could be a game changer for us. Dr. Raymond, uh, checking for colon cancer, uh, awareness this month especially for for guys. Uh, Someone I know, okay, it was me, uh, had the colonoscopy uh, 2014, okay? Everything came back great, you know, clean bill of health. But I think a lot of gentlemen think, okay, I had that done, so now I'm good to go the rest of my life. How long between colonoscopies should you be checked Really great question, and this is um, colorectal cancer month, uh, March is, so it's important to talk about this. Uh, colon cancer is um, something that causes uh, the second largest number of cancer deaths in both men and women in the U.S., and many of those deaths are preventable with early detection. And there are about 150,000 new cases each year, and one in 20 people will develop a colorectal cancer during their lifetime. And so screening and detection is important. There are actually three ways to screen. The gold standard, the one that is uniformly recognized as the best, is colonoscopy. Um, We used to say that you should start getting a colonoscopy at age 50 if you have average risk. But the American Cancer Society now recommends that you start at age 45 because one in seven cases of colorectal cancer has been diagnosed in people under the age of 45 recently. And there is an increasing risk of colon cancer in young. And we've actually talked about that on the show before. So some risk factors would be alcohol smoking, uh, human papillomavirus exposure, obesity, and then family genetic risk. So in addition to the colonoscopy, which if you do once and it's clean, you don't need to do for another 10 years, you can do what's called virtual colonoscopy in which they do a CAT scan. Um, That needs to be done every five years, and you should have a fecal uh, test done in between. And then the, the third type of testing Less sensitive but more convenient would be an at-home test where you send a stool sample in to be analyzed either for genetic markers of colon cancer or for for occult or hidden blood. And those are reasonably good screening tests. If they're positive, though, you still need to go get the colonoscopy. Uh, Doctor, um, I recently took a Stop the Bleed course. Uh, at a offered at a hospital around here. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think more people should have uh, access to courses like that? Yeah, it's really great that um, you took the course and that you're highlighting this opportunity. So cardiopulmonary resuscitation 
was a game changer for survival in the field for people that had cardiopulmonary arrest. Um, you know, the American Heart Association and many others teach bystanders to intervene quickly for CPR. So the idea for Stop the Bleed is pretty similar. It's to teach lay people how to manage traumatic bleeding. And one thing people may need to know is that uh, trauma and bleeding is the leading cause of death in people ages 1 to 44. So there is a new program called Stop the Bleed um, that really helps people to be able to deal with uh, folks that um, they see that have suffered from an automobile accident, a traumatic fall, uh, a power tool accident, something that can be life-threatening to help them prevent the person from bleeding out. And um, hopefully you can tell us a little bit about the course, but it's really pretty simple. Um, they teach you to keep your cool, call 911 first or have someone else do that. Make sure that the environment that you may enter where the person is injured is safe for you to enter and then control the bleed. And the principles are pretty simple. Either apply direct pressure to the bleed or to the artery that is supplying the area that's bleeding. You can apply a tourniquet, elevate the limb, and uh, really just try to make sure that you stop that bleeding as soon as possible. And Dr. Raymond, can we register for a Stop the Bleed class at Freighter? You can. You, you can. You know, Freighter has the only adult level one trauma center in eastern Wisconsin. The, the other one is in uh, Madison at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. And you can register. Um, the place to go for people uh, to look for opportunities for the Stop the Bleed course is stopthebleed.org. Well, that's simple. That's good. And quickly, what is your good news of the week, Dr. Raymond? Well, I really loved your conversation about going to England, Downton Abbey, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Shakespeare, Stonehenge. Really cool. Um, but I want to just talk about two sports themes. Our Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball team are in the semifinals of the NIT. The game starts in about an hour, and they're taking on North Texas, so we can cheer them on. And then our Bucks have the best record in the NBA, and they have some big games coming up against Boston and Philly. Go Bucky and go Bucks. Thank you, Dr. Raymond. All right. Thanks, Andy. Have a great day. You too.